Welcome to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about our one reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here's Roberta. Welcome to Seek Reality. I'm Roberta Grimes and I'm so glad you're with us today. You know, we've had many mediums of many kinds on Seek Reality over the years. People who could, you know, mind read with those not in bodies. People who are able to go into trance and allow the dead to speak through them. And we've talked here also about the process that's now being carried on by people that we used to think were dead to implement electronic communication between here and there. And we've talked about the fact that the only thing that objectively exists is what we experience as human consciousness. And all our minds are part of that one infinitely powerful and infinitely creative mind that continuously manifests this universe. In fact, last week we talked about the primacy of consciousness with Dr. R. Craig Hogan when he shared with us his wonderful new book that's called There is Nothing But Mind and Experiences. So what our guest today is able to do isn't surprising to us, but it certainly is interesting. Catherine Weisenberg is a medium of sorts, although what she does is a great deal better than just mind reading. For decades, she's been cultivating and sharing her ability to dialogue with spirit, with the deceased, and even with coma patients. She describes what she does as dipping into an always available stream of consciousness and writing down what I find there. Well, it sounds easy, but of course, it's not. Nobody else I've ever heard of can do this. Many people might find that what she does amazing, but it's something that we understand very well here on Seek Reality, and I'm delighted to, to see someone doing it. It should be theoretically possible for many of us to do it. She calls her writings God writings, but she stresses that you can call them whatever resonates with you. Call them Buddha writings, Yahweh writings, whatever you like. They're tapped directly from the source, and Catherine receives them as impressions and writes them down. One of the people Catherine has helped is also our guest today. Jocelyn Montanaro is trained as a lawyer, and she helped her husband, Kevin, with his successful legal mediation practice. When Kevin was dying from brain cancer and already in a coma, Jocelyn and Catherine teamed up with Kevin and with Spirit, and together they've written a very engaging book. It's called Beyond After Ever After, a heart-to-heart journey through death and the afterlife. They talk there in detail about their experiences as the women women share Kevin's journey through dying. And this is actually a wonderful book. Sounds depressing, I know. But it's delightful because the people are so delightful. Kevin is wonderful. It's so such an immensely engaging and enjoyable book that what they're talking about it is, is something that you immediately identify with. I hear from many widows, as you can imagine, all of whom would absolutely love this book. They wonder if their husbands are okay, where they are now, and whether they ever will be together again. And this is the book for them, Beyond Ever After. It would be like food and drink to people who wonder where the people they love are now and whether they'll be together again as they were when they were here. And many other bereaved people are going to love it as well. So I'm very happy to talk with Catherine and figure out how she did this. Welcome, Catherine and Jocelyn. We're so happy to have you with us today. Well, thanks for having us. Thanks. What a great intro. <laughs> well, I, I mean, 
Really, you 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 have a beautiful relationship which continues, and I think that's something very important for a lot of people to know. I mean, if you've loved someone, that love continues forever. We know that here, but this is a book that illustrates that. Now, Catherine, you say in your book that we can call the vast eternal mind by any name we like, right? You won't mind. Here on on Seek Reality, we don't use religious terms since they carry fear-based baggage for some of people. As you can imagine, some people are actually afraid of God. So I hope you won't mind if we call that vast eternal mind just spirit with a capital S. Is that okay? Oh, absolutely. As I said, your ability does fascinate me. Please tell us a little more about it. How did you discover it? I mean, what, what made you go there? Well, I don't know that it was an actively I went there as uh, like all these kinds of gifts that emerge. Uh, we discover it and um, we evolve through it. And so for me, uh, the great cosmic joke was that I was in graduate school um, studying uh, communication. And so spirit source the vast universe said you want to advance degree in communication how about this and i started <laughs> having these extraordinary experiences that um that you know transcended any 3d reality um and i was being trained to be a good social science researcher and yet i was having these extraordinary experiences and i would have ways of knowing things that I had no way of knowing. I would be um, propelled to uh, say things to complete strangers and literally thought I was losing my mind as a lot of us do that have these um, yes. altering experiences. And uh, I followed that uh, lead and uh, that's been about 33 years ago or maybe longer. And um it's it's uh, taken me wondrous places, and I know that uh, what we see and perceive in this reality is just sort of a tip of a greater iceberg. So, well, all right. So, what happens actually? You do you say, all right? I need to. I mean, here's Jocelyn, and she has a husband she wants to talk with, and ring him up somehow i mean how does that how do you Uh, you summon him well you know i know it's like i i tell people it's not like i have the white phone that i can say can you call (laughs) eddie to the phone you know (laughs) it doesn't work that way uh and yet it is always available um and what i mean by that is that uh i don't actively seek people out um as much as i believe that spirit and loved ones uh, allow people to find me um, and to open that connection. So I don't really think it's less that I elicit something as more that it is that kind of divine synchronicity that um, the same in this life when you're going to meet someone that's pivotal in your life or whatever, who can say how or why that happens, but it does. And so for me, the process is only um, that I just trust that uh, that if that if it has been before this book, if they find me, then um, you know it's, it's supposed meant to happen. To be. Yeah, exactly. 
Well, and and um, our loved ones can easily be contacted by mediums. It's probably the same principle. I mean, we tend to think of it as, think of all the people who are there. Oh, my goodness, how would you ever find them? But it's all energy. It's all loving energy. So if you have in front of you someone who is connected closely with someone who's in spirit or not yet in spirit but in a coma, naturally that connection is going to be immediate and tight. So yes, everyone, this is perfectly possible what they're doing. And now Jocelyn, tell us about Kevin, who I think is just, as I say, a delightful man. He is. And uh, and handsome, too. Very handsome. Um <laughs> On top of it all, he's even handsome. And they're, all right, Catherine. Here's, here's something to, that people should know. I don't care what, he, what age he was when he died. Once he's there, he looks about 30, and he's really gorgeous. So just so you know. I'm not sure what you want to know about him. You've been married. Uh, obviously, you've been married for, what, 25 years, uh, thereabouts? Yeah. And and you had a very close marriage. He seems to have been the kind of husband we all would like, one who is very attentive and very kind yeah. and 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 you know, would, would leave a flower on your pillow every morning, for heaven's sake. That really was amazing. Or under your white shirt whopper. He was the nicest man ever. And um, when he, um, you know, went into this, had brain cancer and got sick and was in a coma and I was, and I got together with Catherine. You were saying earlier about how you don't like to use God and you say spirit with the capital S instead. And I was thinking when you were saying that, that I was so mad at God at the time that he was like a dirty word in my head. (laughs) Right. People feel that way. Because he was killing my husband. I mean, in my mind at the time I mean I was tired and stressed out and all everything else of course too but you know when there's this all-powerful allegedly you know being that can do anything and the best person that you've ever known in your whole life is dying a horrendous disease when people who beat their wife and kick their dog are walking around yes and things and it really makes makes at least for me because I'm you know not super deep. It made me angry. You know, I was really angry. So I, I, I got that. I, I really understand that. But through this whole process and the book and the experiences I had with Catherine, you know, that's abated, although it's taken me a fair amount of time to make that happen. But um, of course, when you've been blessed with this kind of you know opportunity, you, you, you're grateful for the, for what makes it happen. So now he had had brain cancer, and that had been the tumor had been removed, and then it came back, and it was a, right. a, a few years later, and it was after that second one that all hell broke loose. Everything went wrong, and so, and so that's when you can so you started communicating with with him with Catherine's help, and it was fascinating to read that section because he was so confused. No time had passed. He was beyond time, outside time. And he had no idea that here his body was lying with tubes in it and all of that. And he then tell us that story. He recoiled from the notion of continuing to to be here if because he was he felt he was imposing on you and he was it was better better for you if you went ahead and you didn't want him to go. You know, I, I have to tell you something about the writings that's very interesting. When Catherine is doing them 
she uses the inflections that the that the person uses. So when she's talking, even though it's Catherine, a female voice, she's communicating it like Kevin would say. So it's just the same, like the tonal quality and where he his inflection. So even though it's her, it sounds like it's him. Huh, and fascinating. It does. It really does. Like, like, and there was a part in the first writing when he said, you know, don't give me any of that. We've tangoed too many times. And the way she said it was exactly how it would have come out of his mouth, which is when you're doing them, it kind of makes you more, of course, you know, it's them, but you're like, it can't be anybody else than them because she, she had no idea that when he talks like that, he uses those inflections. So, um, but when I was telling him everything that was wrong and Kath, and he was saying through Catherine, you're kidding me. You, you know, <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, I can't blink. I can't do this. I can't swallow. And I was like, Oh my God, this poor man, he doesn't even know everything that's wrong with him. And I, and you were just saying, I, I hated recounting it because he was like oblivious. He just thought he was dreaming. And then he finds out he's basically this train wreck with, you know, one foot in the grave. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, but then he woke up, you know, he, he, that first writing when he, when we told him he wasn't dreaming, he, he devised that experiment and woke himself up, which I think is really amazing and something I think Catherine could probably speak for too. These conversations went on for quite a long time. That one went on for hours, right? That and- first one was probably an hour or an hour and a half. And then the next one, when Catherine drove down to UCLA and Kevin was trying to talk me into going to hospice, that was hours. Yes, yes. That's, that's the one I'm remembering that went on for hours. Yeah, I was right. really impressed with everyone's stamina. But what's interesting, everyone, is that when they do these communications, um, that it, every every everyone talking, including spirit, is in a different font, so you can follow it. You know, oh, this is, Kevin said this, Spirit said this, uh, <laughs> Catherine, uh, Jocelyn. It it's it makes it 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 really is almost. Um, I I can't I can't. You feel as if you're really there if you're reading it. You feel as if this is an ongoing live event that you're that you're part of. I I just found it very entertaining. I couldn't put it down. How, what was your process, Jocelyn, as you went through this? You, you at first you couldn't believe that he couldn't know. Then he, then he sort of figured it out and he started to get better. Did you ever think he was? This was really it for him. He was going to be leaving you. I didn't think that until the last the writing at UCLA when he said, "I'm not going to make it. Don't take me home. I want to go to Serenity House, which is the hospice facility in Santa Barbara." And I, up until that point, I, I mean, I look back on it now, how in denial I was about everything, but I just couldn't fathom that um, this couldn't be fixed. And I didn't um, give it, give in to that until Catherine came down to UCLA and he said, look at me, you know, I'm more dead than alive and you're screaming, no, 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 you know. Yeah. So it wasn't until, yeah. It wasn't until then that I thought, okay, oh, you know what? This is really um, he, he's leaving, you know. Yeah, yeah. But you had children too, and therefore, and they were teenagers, a vulnerable age. One of them um, was. 
even almost by like 13 or 12 at the yeah. time? My youngest had just turned 13 um, before this happened. In fact, he, um, he was still 12 when we got the word that the cancer had come back because after the first go round, some years before this, we would go to UCLA every two months to get an MRI and to check on it because they always knew it would come back. And so when it did come back, he was still only 12. And then for his 13th birthday, we took him to um, Lake Arrowhead. Kevin loved it up there. The last uh, trip we ever took together was for his 13th birthday. And then he had the surgery like a week later and then that was it. So yeah, I had a son who just turned 13. And you know, the sad thing about that too is, I mean, I think the experience with him, like it says in the book, you know, it's really made him a better person, but you know, he missed out on the best, I think part of parenting that Kevin would have been able to provide for him because he was such a thoughtful, spiritual, philosophical kind of guy that I think the teenage years he would have really enjoyed with Will having those kind of thoughtful yes. discussions because Angus yeah. Ben is, is wired like that too. So they could have, you know, done their little thoughtful discussion thing while I was reading People magazine in the other room. But I, I, I I'm sorry he missed out on all of that because I think he would have really you know, benefited yeah. from that. And he, and he, and he recently just turned 20. He's in college and, and, yeah. and he, he called me yesterday because that was the anniversary of his death seven years. And he was saying how he really, you know, doesn't have a lot of memories of him when he wasn't sick because he was, had just turned nine when he first got sick. And so for him, m- more than most of his life, his dad has been sick or he's been dead, which is oh, really my sad. Lord. It is, yeah, really, it is. But but you yeah. know, of course, that Kevin's been around him. You know that. Ke- oh Kevin, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kevin's I, missed nothing. It's it's just you know unfortunate for the for the child. What did you think about the afterlife and death before this all started and and while it was ongoing? Did you have a confident understanding of what happens at and after death, or was that what what did you think would happen to him when this started? He was very religious slash spiritual. And he had no doubts at all where he was going and that it was all going to be good. And he was worried about me, but he wasn't worried about himself at all. And I didn't know what was going to happen. I had known um, my sister Vicky had done writings with Catherine before. And so I heard from her, you know, um, the content of some of them, although I, I really didn't buy it at the time. Yeah. But um, well. I just, didn't really believe it until I actually had the experience. So you were afraid for him to die. You were afraid it would be the loss of this extraordinary personality that you loved so much. I was very afraid of him dying. And um, not just because I was afraid for him, but I was afraid for me and the kids. And the whole thing just felt really wrong on so many levels. It's not supposed to be like that, you know. No wonder you were ticked off at God. Oh, my goodness, how can, he's a sadist, for heaven's sake, right? 59, 59. He was just the best guy ever. And, you know, I see these people walking around, and they're not nice people, and I just think, you know, what the, you know what? Like, why him, God, don't take him. I still don't get it. I still walk around sometimes looking up going, really, really? (laughs) Right. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm sorry that you didn't know more clearly um, what's going on. I, I think I think one reason, everyone, why we really ought to try to make sure that those we love understand the truth is that 
at least when you know what's going on and you know for certain that they're going to be fine and you'll get to see them again, it makes quite a bit of difference at this at this difficult time when the transition is happening because it's a dramatic thing when you're when when the body's no longer moving. It looks like it's you know dead, and then you even cremated him and then scattered his ashes. So it it's that seems pretty final to a lot of people and. So it's wonderful if we can learn before we're in that situation um, what just what really is going on because I think that does ease the grief quite a bit. It it uh, it makes it makes it very sad for we're sad for us, but we're not so sad for people whose bodies are damaged. So they they really are going to be all better as soon as they get out of that body. When I took ashes in the surf where he always wanted to surf in Tabarua, he commented on it about how he loved. We had these Fijian men came out and there was this old fishing boat. It was kind of funny. And they were playing, they had these old beat up guitars and they had no teeth. <laughs> oh my. I had this playlist. They played like Eric Clapton songs and just his favorite music as we were dumping the ashes in there. And, and he, he commented how, how nice it was and how it felt like that was a good place to go. And that, but it wasn't really him anyway. You know, it was more symbolic for me and that he was really happy that I Yes. Yeah. That as an opportunity to go to Fiji. <laughs> yeah. No. I, I. I think I thought that was a wonderful story. I thought that was great. And Catherine, you talk with a lot of people in this same way, right? You help them communicate with their loved ones who are either not anywhere in bodies or are in comas. Yes. Uh huh. How many people in comas have you talked with? Is that a common thing? You know, the com the coma thing is not that common. I would say I don't know a dozen, a little bit more. I, I don't know. I haven't kept count over the years. But um, what was unique about Kevin is while we were on the phone having that first conversation, he had been in a coma for twenty six days, and the medical people could not wake him and while we were on the telephone um he roused himself to consciousness so that's where this story begins and just part of his extraordinariness i had never had um and haven't since had anyone during a writing or at all wake up out of a coma so um that got my attention for sure that was a unique experience yeah, well, but he's he's a unique character too. I I think I can imagine much less interesting people being in comas, and you know when they come out of it, it would just be interesting only to to Jocelyn. But it I'm I've never met him, and I just found him to be a really interesting, very nice guy. He's sort of like where can I find one like that? Is kind of what my people will think when they read the book. <laughs> That's what everybody says. <laughs> They're all so jealous. They're like, oh, why did you get him? And then and then they're like, oh, I'm sorry. You lost your husband. But, you know, it's like an envy uh, thing yeah. that they have. And then they're like, oh, okay. So, yes. I have no idea how I got him. And, had it, and I always thought if he knew what I was really like, he would have picked somebody better. <laughs> Don't so we all I, feel that way, though? I, I, yes. I was just as mystified as everybody else about how I landed somebody like him. Yeah, no, you, you certainly are blessed to have him in your life and waiting for you to come yeah. home. It's 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 a beautiful thing, Catherine. Tell yeah. us about what you experience as spirit 
because it, we have spirit communicating. You call it God. It doesn't really matter what you call it. But really, it's the, it's the mind that, that brings forth the universe in some fashion that is communicating through you. Well, How do you experience that? Well, the God or source writings are much different than individual spirits of people who is a whole different thing. We retain our our soul essence. We retain, we don't, in my experience, and I've talked, I use that term, but connected with hundreds and hundreds of deceased people. And, you know, it's sort of the same thing. Wherever you go, you take yourself. So, you know, from reading the book, Roberta, that Kevin is still his personality in a way. Obviously, it's more expanded and it's different than when we're in this reality. But um, so in that way, um, you know, spirit is a very fluid yet tangible form. Probably, um, you know, love is invisible, but each of us know it's probably, and in my opinion, the greatest force in the universe. So it is. We we know that to be true. Yes. So, um, so for me, I think that when people, um, leave this realm, leave their body, they're much less fixated on the kinds of things that engage us here, you know, um, and in that there becomes a freedom and there is a loss of density, not only of body, but a loss of density in mind. Um, you know, Kevin, knows what's going on with Jocelyn and her kids, and he's not worried. In some cases, he's reported things that she didn't even know was was going on with family yeah, members or true. whatnot. So it's very, um, and I think that, and I think, is that possible in this, this you know, plane of 3D reality? Um, Of course it is. And so that's one of the points that I make in the book is that I think that we all have that capacity. We are all not as fixed um, in in form, in perception, in ability to connect that we think. It's just part of that linear, literal mind that says table, you know, chair. But um, spiritually we're so much vaster and so much more expanded than fixed reality which i think mind is a compressor of reality whereas spirit is a expander and um an amplifier of the great everything you have a sense of a being communicating with you absolutely right um and how I experience people, and I like to say this, it's almost as if I experience them from the inside out in a way that even people that I know closely in my life, when I'm doing this writing, when I'm connecting on that soul or spirit level, it's far more intimate. And yet there are things that pop out about people, um, characteristics that may come through that I might pick up on. Um, but, uh, yes. And, and everyone is their unique self. And it's almost like if you could peel back people's personality in a way and see what's really in there, I am being able to connect with an essence, uh, a spiritual essence, a soul essence. 
I don't know because, you know, words don't even allow us to apprehend something that's so vast and incomprehensible, but so real. Now, Jocelyn, you you continued to communicate with Kevin after he had transitioned, right? You and Catherine would would talk to him as just as you had before. And and you you would stress that he was just the same guy. He was. He's just the same guy, same sense of humor, same word choices, same concerns, you know, with um, the kids and things. And there's only six writings in the book, but you know, since then I've had many more and there've been other things that have happened. Like, you know, he's, he's totally like a guardian angel. I've had some situations. I had a situation I was just thinking about when I was um, with Will, my youngest son, and we were in uh, Las Vegas and we were about to cross the street. It was over Christmas break. We we're meeting some friends there and we got stopped by this guy who was kind of harassing us for just like 15 or 20 seconds. And Will finally had to come over and say, Hey, leave my mom alone. And we walk out of this mall, and right in front of us, all these people are falling on the ground, and there's a car that had just gone on the sidewalk and had plowed all these people over. And I had been right there, and if I had, we had walked out, you know, 10 or 15 seconds earlier, we would have been standing right in that crosswalk. And the next writing I had, um, that's the first thing he said. I said, how, I said, was that you? And he said, yes. And I said, how did you know we were going to be in danger? And he said, you know, alarm bells go off. I get alarm bells if something's going to bad's going to happen. And he had like totally stepped in and, and had us pause for that 15 or 20 seconds that if I had been there, I would have been standing in that crosswalk and he would have been fine. <laughs> I just love it. I love it. Yeah. He's still taking care of you even after, after all this time. Does he tell yeah. you what else he's doing there or is he really only focused on family? I don't know. I don't know. Jocelyn is... Jocelyn is always fixed on Kevin, whereas other people are more, you know, interested in, you know, oh, I went to this planet, mom, or, you know, yeah, uh, what people receive has to do with who they are. You know, he recognizes who she is and what's the most important thing to Jocelyn is Kevin and her family. Yeah. And, you know, that's and and Roberta, people always say, well, did you ask them if there's aliens? Or what about There is a lot of process. There's a lot to do. There's a. It's a very much more interesting and enjoyable place than where we are now. But many of our loved ones, when they communicate, especially within the, the few years after they've transitioned, really don't talk about all of that. And many of them are not even focused on all of that much. They, there's plenty of, because there's no time, there's plenty of time for them to do whatever they want to do later on. So he's one of those, I think, that probably just feels his family needs him and he wants to be there for them. So I think that's wonderful. That's You're, you're blessed in that. And he gives you signs, too. He get, Talk about the squirrel and talk about the seagull. Well, he, he does give me signs. You know, it's funny about the squirrel. Um, I'll just tell you quickly because I know we're running out of time. I had, a, um, I had an after-death writing, this first after-death writing, and then my birthday was a couple of days later, and I was in the grocery store, and Catherine called me and goes, is it your birthday? And I was like, how did you know? And she goes, I have a present for you. And, and I went to her house, and she said, Kevin wanted to wish you happy birthday, and she gave me this birthday writing from him, and he told me that he was going to, try to send me a surprise. And so a few days later, I was in the living room with my kids and um, our dogs, a Doberman Pinscher and a German Shepherd, start barking furiously in the backyard. So I look 
and there's a squirrel on the top of the fence. And I'd never seen a squirrel there before, but I'd, I'd lived in this house 15 years by then. And um, it was just standing there staring at me through the window. And I was, I looked at it and the dogs are jumping on the fence and the fence is, you know, vibrating back and forth and the squirrel just staring at me. And oh. I even said to my kids, look, there's Kevin. Yes. <laughs> because he had this thing for squirrels. He loved squirrels. And whenever oh. we go to Lake Arrowhead, you know, we put these nuts out on the deck and then be laughing in the morning when they were all shelled. He just had this thing for squirrels. And then recently when this Corona pandemic started and I was locked in the house with everyone else, I was, you know, troving the internet all day long. And I came across this article about this guy who built these squirrel picnic tables that you could affix to your fence and squirrels could come and eat nuts and stuff. So of course I bought one and had a little sign made for Kevin on it and put the corn on the cob. And sure enough, the squirrels come, they eat the corn, they eat the seeds. Yeah. Yeah. It's neat. And I, you know, I get signs from him all the time. I'm in the car and I'm thinking about him and I turn on the radio. I mean, who listens to the radio anymore? Right. And then, Variably, it's either something in the way she moves by James Taylor or Brown Eyed Girl by Van Morrison. The two That's songs. That's a he great song. I mean, I, well, I mean, great. This is the kind of yep, so everyone. Every- I'm sorry, I'm excited about this because very seldom do people listen to radio anymore. If you have someone who's recently died, do listen to your radio. Pay attention to the music that's playing when you get in an elevator or in a store or whatever, because this is something which apparently I don't know why is not hard for them to do. Right after he died, we when we had driven down to UCLA, we had listened to this James Taylor CD in the car on the way down. And um, like I said, his favorite song was something in the way she moves. And right after he died, I got, I was in the car and the CD popped in and the song is like fourth or fifth on there. And it, it played. And I was like, Oh, and I was crying. And I thought, okay, I don't want to hear this. So I tried to forward past the song and it played again. And so (laughs) I took the CD out and I put it back in and it went straight to that song again. That's a great story. Awesome. And I turned it back on, and then I put the CD back on, and I said, and it played again. I thought, okay, I'm just going to have to listen to this, <laughs> yes. you know, the rest yes. of the day. <laughs> That's the kind of thing which, for I don't know why, and no one really does, which is relatively easy for for our loved ones who are beings of energy at this point to do. They can mess with stuff like that, and and it's just isn't that wonderful? What a loving man that he wanted you to hear that song. I love that. I love it. Yeah. And so, all right. So, Catherine, do you do do you teach this to people? Who, because people listening are saying, "Oh, I want to learn how to do what she does." Do you teach it, or is it, or how do you? What do you encourage people to do who want to be able well, to communicate the way you what do? What I encourage people to do is look on the periphery. I mean, so many people. I think that we walk around and it's sort of like we have perceptual blinders on. You know, it's like. And, and I think what happens is when we relax our gaze, when we soften, when you're so dedicated, you want to sign or you want to see, because I have so many people who come and they are frustrated. I haven't heard from them. Are they okay? Blah, you know, not blah, blah. And I don't mean it in a demeaning way, but they're just searching so hard. And so, and I say soften your gaze because wonder always is on the periphery when you're so looking at the, you know, what is, you can't see the forest for the trees. When I'm looking at the tree in front of me, I'm not noticing that three trees over there is 
uh, a sign or a message. So what I encourage people to do is relax your gaze. Grief and sorrow is painful, and I really have a lot of compassion for that. But when someone dies, many of us wrap ourselves in bubble wrap. And it's hard to feel in those situations. So softening your gaze, look for things on the periphery. And, you know, they're very persistent. If you don't notice, that doesn't mean that it won't come back around. And if you start seeing, well, why am I seeing spiders everywhere? I've never seen spiders. Pay attention to reoccurring because they may be uh, sending you. And also what I also find is, Um, And I talk about this in the book. I call them divine synchronicities. But, um, and there's a chapter on that. But I think that really, um, sometimes it's an, uh, if you start noticing strange things and you say, that's just a coincidence, or I must be imagining things. That's what they do. Those are two clues for you right there. And I say, write those down on something because somehow, sometimes they're developing a, a bigger picture for you. But if, if you feel like, no. And the other thing is don't, um, here's what we know. We've been out speaking and doing interviews is that everybody's having these experiences, but somehow it's taboo to speak about them. So if a lot of times if something's one of your loved ones coming to you, it might also be coming to your sister or your mother. So you might, Ease into that conversation. You don't have to, if you're embarrassed, you don't have to say, well, you're not going to believe what happened to me. But, you know, do you ever get any signs from mom and dad? There's easy ways to soft pitch that because I think also making it more normalized and uh, and then invariably people will find, oh, yeah, that, oh, really? Well, you know, there was this bird last week that came to, you know, and so... Be willing to have the dialogue and be willing to to not attach meaning by not receiving anything. It might be that you are receiving. You just are, are only saying, only this will count. Uh, only this is going yes. yeah, to signify. Or I, I, I told it to him me. to do that for me. Uh, to do, right. Send me a bluebird on a Tuesday and I'll right. know for sure it's him. And, yeah. and it doesn't work that way, not at all. Right. And but I think that that's... It's grace, and and our loved ones surely are as connected to us in death as they are in life. And love always finds a way. Love always can find a way. So, do, do you do this for the public? I mean, if someone's listening and saying, you know, I really want to be able to talk to my brother or my, my husband or whatever, is, is, do you, are you like someone who, who can be contacted and will do this? You, uh, you know, now after the book, there's no way that I could accommodate requests because, you know, before when I was just being sent people. So no, I don't, um, I don't, uh, uh, do this professionally or whatever. Um, but, and that's the point I make in the book too, is I believe, and I truly do believe we all have this capacity and, normalizing this and and believing that it is possible i mean uh you know what you believe you can receive uh and so being open does foster the way of of having this and feeling when you smell your grandmother's perfume that's been dead for 20 years don't go 
Oh, I must be imagining. Say yeah, wow, you are. Grandma. Yeah. Thank you. Thank yes. you. Always and say that too. dialogue. Yep. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh, I wish we could do this forever. But now, is this 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 um, what is love? Lovality? How how do I say that word? You said it right. Lovality. Oh, um, lovality. Yeah, and that is my work with um, uh, with you know, I do retreats and smaller group things, and that's the idea that. Um, we live in a love-based reality. You know, why do we accept that it's just all, you know, whatever it is, capitalistic consumerism, whatever you yeah. want to say. It's all, it is, is all that love, love is our nature. So lovality is a term source gave, and that is to live in a love-based reality, you know. Um, just like spirituality is to live in a spiritually based reality, loveality is to live in a love based reality. Now, so the, the, I trademarked it, and yeah, it, and and so and you teach that, which is great. So there is a website for that, which is loveality.net, and beyondeverafter.com is also, and this will be all in the materials, everyone, so you won't have to. Don't drive, don't drive off the road looking for pencil because um, it'll be in the in the. Um, materials this is wonderful is there anything just quickly that each of you would like people to most take away from today what about you jocelyn the thing of course i want people to take away most is that the people that you love who have gone before you are with you always and even if you can't see them or don't see the signs you know they're always there they love you they're present and you're not alone with them even when they're gone and when you were talking about the signs I was going to tell you something really quick my mom died last summer and she always would complain that I always only ever wore black and gray which is true and but my favorite color if I had a color was purple and right after my mom died I went to the beach to walk around kind of clear my thoughts and I like to collect sea glass and I looked down I don't know why. And I saw the biggest piece of purple sea glass I've ever seen in my life. I've never seen a piece, piece of purple sea glass. No, I got. My favorite color right there. And yeah. I, I picked it up, I looked up and I said, okay, mom, I'll wear more color. You know? <laughs> right. That's beautiful. You could make it into a piece of jewelry too. That's great. So, and, and Catherine, what do you want people most to take away from this experience? That love just as it connects us in life, it connects us beyond life and across life, and that it is not extinguished with death, and that we all are having these extraordinary experiences, and everyone knows this kind of wonder. You know, when you step off the pavement of the ordinary, you step into the experience of wonder. And even in the midst of loss and grief and sorrow, there's love and there's wonder. And that our loved ones are still with us, like Jocelyn said. And also that we are designed by and for love. It doesn't matter what you call it. And if it's the G word or the S word or it's a capital or it's a little symbol, it doesn't matter but we are created by and for love. And that gives us infinite power and infinite capabilities. And just as they say, what are we using? What is it like 91% of our minds or I don't know what the latest 
researches. Oh, I, oh it's like only 25%, something like that. Some small amount. Yes. Well, the same way with our love. We aren't our doing love is, 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 is so much greater and expand that and build that and foster that because that is who we are designed by and for and are and uh so and and wonderment and joy and connection are never out of the realm of our divine birthrights both of you i want you to consider yourselves virtually hugged i think this has been just a wonderful book i'm recommending it to everyone uh, especially if you're grieving i think you'll find this is a great great comfort plus you'll just love kevin i just i fell in love i'm sorry that's just the way it is just don't tell my husband that please never forget that you are a powerful eternal being you never began and you never will end and when you really get all the implications of that fact it's going to change everything in your life for the better next week our guest will be the wonderful dutch scientist and polymath Dr. bernardo castro but he'll be here for the fourth time i love his this man he's beautiful he's a, a wonderful bright brilliant guy and he is someone who, independently of everything, I, all my research, has figured out the truth about reality, which is that it is all consciousness-based. And he, he teaches it as a scientist. There is going to be someone who is going to eventually get the Nobel Prize in Physics for having formulated a real consciousness theory of everything. And Bernardo Castro is my candidate to be that person. He's young enough, and he is certainly smart enough. So come and listen to him next week. You'll just enjoy, you'll love his accent. You'll love the things he says. He's just a wonderful, entertaining, and beautiful, beautiful young man. So please be sure to join us next week. And what can I say? Catherine Weisenberg does a wonderful job of helping people connect with those that we used to think were either in comas and beyond reach or dead. And Jocelyn Montanaro lucked out in the marriage sweepstakes. Kevin is... (laughs) Kevin will, will, will capture your heart, and what they're able to do together with the help of spirit will uplift you and make you joyous, even though you're perhaps in the midst of grief still. The book is called A Heart to, what, Beyond Ever After, I keep forgetting the, the actual title, Beyond Ever After, A Heart-to-Heart Journey Through Death and the Afterlife, and I recommend it especially to people who are grieving now, because it will bring you joy. As you know, I have various books. They're all available on Amazon.com, and all my adult books are available as audio books, which I enjoy doing. And we we will have another book out this year, finally, called The Fun of Loving Jesus, Embracing the Christianity that Jesus Taught, and that also will be available uh, as an audio book. If you want to talk about anything, anything at all, you can always contact me through the green contact block on robertagrimes.com. I answer every email, but it can take more than a week sometimes at this point. I get so many emails, but it's very important to me to help you if I possibly can. Past episodes of Seek Reality are available in many places, or you can just go to the um, iTunes store and pick up the for free the iTunes um, app. For, for Seek Reality, and just it'll come to you automatically each week. Everyone, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Please enjoy and please make the most of this coming week in our one reality, knowing that you are a powerful, eternal being, and you in particular, you most of all, are infinitely loved. 
You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Roberta blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Join us every week as we explore what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about the one reality we all share. Knowing the truth changes everything.